I want to talk more about what it's like looking forward to our future, living life, difference is possible in me. And before I do that, I'm going to pray and we're going to get going here. So Father God, I just thank you for who you are. I invite your spirit into this place tonight. And I just thank you for everything that you're going to do through us, every word that you're going to speak through me and through everyone else. And I just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Who here is truly, genuinely, authentically excited for their future? It's okay to be real. It's okay to be real. If you're not, that's fine. That's fine. It's okay to be real. I remember when I was younger, I wrote down this phrase that I believe God dropped in my spirit. And it was this. It's, it was, I can't wait to get to the point in my life where I can't wait to wake up just so I can dream. Like, I was, I was wanting to get to the point where, I, like, it was a, during a time in my life where I was almost looking forward to sleep, you know what I mean? So I could, like, have these, like, crazy dreams. And Anybody have crazy dreams, okay? We were talking about dreams on vacation. I'm not going to talk about them, but um, it was like, I was almost, like, looking forward to the dreams or, or even, like, a form of escape, like, you know, movies or TV shows or video games, um, just because that was so much more interesting than what was going on in my life. And I knew this wasn't something that was right. I knew I should be, you know, content and excited for where I was at. I should be excited for my future. And so I was praying with the God, and God dropped that phrase into my spirit. Like, I can't wait to get to the point where I can't wait to just be alive, to just go throughout my day. And I don't know, I, I just, sadly, I think too many of us, not just in this generation, but I just mean if any, many of us, of just people on earth, that we are in a place where we feel like we have nothing to look forward to. And I don't know if you guys have experienced that before or not, but I know I've been there and I've had those thoughts. Um, in 2010, there were over 253 million prescriptions of antidepressants given out to the people in the United States alone. And get this, since then that number has increased by 30% every year. So it's added 30% of that number for the past 12 years, you know? And this is, this is for all people. This isn't just Gen Z. I know like, people like to you know, talk about that, and this is obviously a very relevant conversation to have in this room. But this is for all people. Anxiety, depression, loneliness, suicidal thoughts. In Gen Z, it happens there, but it also happens everywhere. And here's the question I want to pose. Is it possible for a sold-out follower of Jesus to battle with mental health? And the answer to that is yes. It is possible. It is possible for that to happen. Um, you even see many great leaders and prophets in the Bible that have walked through times of despair, depression, and discouragement, yet God used them anyways. God used them anyways, and God was there with them. And so if you are here today, you find yourself dealing with one of those things, whether it's depression, whether that's loneliness, uh, despair, anxiety, even suicidal thoughts, I just want you to know that God sees you. God's with you. This isn't new to God. You are not the first one to encounter this, um, and you won't be the last one. God sees you. He's still here for you. He still desires to walk with you to victory, and he's, he's, he's with you in that. He's with you in these moments. And so what I want to tackle tonight is that if it's true for Christians to battle with mental health, how do I deal with it? 
How do I deal with it? If it's true, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm spirit-filled, it's still true for me to battle with that, so how am I going to deal with that? And I know this is a heavy topic, and so what I want to actually do is just take a minute in the middle here and just pray. And I want to pray that, once again, we open up our mind, we open up our spirit, and just our emotions to this. Because again, I know this can be heavy, and I know I don't want to treat this lightly, but I believe that as Christians, we shouldn't shy away from these tough subjects just because they're tough, amen? And so I want to pray for that again. I want to pray for us specifically in this way. So let's, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Father Jesus, I just thank you for everything that you are again. Holy Spirit, I just invite you in. I know this is a tough subject, but I don't want us to shy away from that. And I just want to speak to the spirit of depression, of anxiety, of loneliness, of suicide right now. I just want to say that there is just no place for that in our hearts. That the person that is dealing with that is not worthless. That the person dealing with that is seen, seen by others around them. And most importantly, it is seen by you. And so we invite you in. We invite you in to have your way and to walk with us and ultimately walk with us through victory in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there seems to be a lot of, you know, conflict and tension with these subjects, right? And I think one of the great things about this generation, about our generation, is that we are becoming more aware and more, um, we're talking about mental health issues more because we're realizing in past generations you kind of have the pendulum on one side all the way really heavy where it's like it's not talked about you know um, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps get over it let's just keep moving and I think you begin to get we're swinging it way on the other side I think and I think it's like we're almost treating it too much like a physical thing so something like mental health and something like anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts are all things that, there are two sides of a coin. There's a physical and mental side to it, and there's a spiritual side to it. And we're gonna talk about this more in a bit, but the, sometimes when Jesus heals us, he'll tackle both of those at the same time. He'll deal with the, the physical and the mental side and the spiritual. But there's other times where it's just mostly the spiritual side, and we have to continue walking in victory and the mental and physical. Because our brains, how many of you guys know there are physical organs, right? And when we make thoughts and we um, have these issues, it creates physical paths in our brains. And I'm not going to get into it. I'm not a neuroscientist, but it creating, it's creating like physical ruts inside of our brain. And it's difficult to get out of a rut inside of our brain. But we'll talk about that more in a bit, but we have this conflict and tension of who I am right now versus who I think the Bible is telling me to be. And it's like, I know I'm all these things. I have the head knowledge of who I am as a Christian. We can put, um, I put a list of things that the Bible says we are. Let's put that on the screen. Like, we've talked about this before. I've actually used this specific list in a past message before. And it's like, a lot of us here, we know that we are these things. You know, we, we have the head knowledge. It's like, I know I'm a friend of God. I know I'm loved. I know I'm redeemed. I know I'm bold. I know I'm masterfully crafted. I know I'm free, but we have that tension. When we look at our circumstances, we look at what we're dealing with, 
It's like when you go, you, you're here at Elevate, you see this list, and you're like, yes, I know one of those things. But we go home at night, and we struggle with anxiety, when we struggle with depression. There has to be a connection between our head knowledge and what our spirit truly believes. There has to be that connection to like connect what you, what you believe in your mind to what you believe deep down in your spirit, deep down in your soul. And once that connection happens, that's when freedom begins. And that's when the side, our, and I believe that's mostly when the side of our physical and our mind gets free from those things. Because what, we have authority over demons, over principalities, over powers over this world. We have authority over addictions. We have authority over anxiety and loneliness. And we have that spiritual authority. So we can take at any moment and cast out anxiety from our thoughts. We can cast out depression. We can cast out suicidal thoughts. That's the spiritual side of the coin. But there's the other side as well. There's our physical and mental side. And again, sometimes that can happen at the same time. But other times we're free spiritually and we have to walk in freedom physically. I know an example for me um, specifically was last year, late last year, I was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. And it was very random, very sudden. It was very, it was, it, was a, it was a big surprise. You know, it's a big life change. There's a lot that goes with that. And I was praying about it. I had people pray over me. And I felt like, I very strongly felt like that I had dealt with that spirit. You know, I dealt with that spirit of infirmity or whatever you want to call it. And I felt like I was free. But I'm still walking in victory in the physical. I'm still walking in victory in the physical side of things. And slowly and slowly, I'm seeing improvement. Um, it's really fun to surprise doctors. Like, if you surprise a doctor, that means it's either really, really bad or really, really good, right? Like, if a doctor is surprised, and I can tell you my last two visits, the doctor has been super surprised at my progress because you usually just don't get healed of type 1 diabetes. Like, you usually just don't see improvement. Like, your body tolerates it more and better. But he was, what he was saying, he was looking at, was like, there was actually improvements. And that's really uncommon. And so I'm walking in the physical victory, but I believe I've been set free spiritually. And like I said, it, it, we know the head knowledge. We have the head knowledge of these truths of these verses. And we need to make that bridge from the spiritual head knowledge to our physical and our mind. And if you want a picture of someone that struggled with anxiety, depression, and even suicidal thoughts, we need to look to the Bible and to the, what the Bible says is a friend of God, which is David. David was a man who poured out his thoughts in the book called Psalms. He poured out, he gave everything. Like, it's, you, you read the Psalms and you see a lot of raw emotion to the point where it's almost hard to read. But for me, I'm so grateful because of the Psalms, because it gives me almost a guidebook of when I'm dealing with similar emotions, how I can process them and go through them in similar ways. Um, it gives us something we can look towards. Um, I want to read Psalms. I actually, I left my phone. I had it on my phone. I left my Bible at home. I know, it's sad. I had it all highlighted and everything but um, I left my phone, but I want to read to you guys. If you want to turn to it, it'll be, we'll be going to Psalms chapter 40. But before we go there, I'm going to go to Psalms chapter 69 and starting in verse 
Here we go. Starting in verse 4. It says, O God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confused because of me. Because of your sake, I have reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal for you, for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach me have fallen down on me. When I wept with my soul and fasted, I, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth garments, and I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of drunkards. I am the song of drunkards. Have any of you guys felt like that before? Like, he's, got, he's at this low place. He's, he's pouring out his emotion. He's pouring it all out for us. But he, he begins to teach. I believe it's there to teach us how to mourn. Because there's a time for grief. There's a time for mourning. In Psalms chapter 40, it actually gives us a good picture, starting in verse 1. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. I just really like how it's worded. It says, I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Then at last, he bent down and listened to my cry. He stooped me down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I'd fallen into. Now he's lifted me up to a firm, secure place and steadied, steadied me while I walked on his ascending path. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in awe and fall in love with him. To me, David is hinting that just like in his life, different is possible in my life. Different is possible in my life. Different is possible in my mind, in my emotions, in my spirit. There is a bridge between where you are at now and where you need to be. It, it just like everything, just a mental health, just like everything is a two-sided issue, like I've been talking about. And the bridge from that, to, from where I'm at to where I need to be is this, is to live a life fully devoted and fully alive to Jesus. I know that can kind of sound like the Sunday school answer, but it's true. Like, there's a reason why it's the Sunday school answer is because it's true. It's the bridge from where I'm at, where I think I am, to where I'm supposed to be is, to, is by living a life fully devoted and fully alive to Jesus. Those are my two big points tonight is to live fully devoted to Jesus and to live fully alive in the life that's designed for us. To live fully devoted to him, I think that makes sense to a lot of us. It just means to, uh, to, to live out to like submit our will and to act humbly before him. You know, if you're fully devoted to Jesus, he should be the first thing that you turn towards in trouble. To live fully devoted to Jesus means that the Bible is first. The Bible's foundation is first above everything else. That his word is the first word that comes into our minds. That when we come across a tough decision or we're even, even just a small decision of like, you know, what do I need to do with this thought? His word should take precedence over every other word. That doesn't mean we give up our desires or our efforts, but it, all it's meaning is his word is supreme, that Jesus is actually Lord in my life. And to live fully alive, to live fully alive. I read this quote um, the other day from a saint, I believe his name is called Saint Arrhenius. I don't know. 
It's on the screen, but the quote was, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. This phrase has been sticking and rattling around in my brain for a past few, couple days now. And it's, it's the glory of God to see you live your life fully alive. Fully alive. And before you think this, yes, there are times of grieving. There are times and seasons where it's okay to be sad or even longing for something more. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 does a great job at portraying this, it says, there's an opportune time to do things, a time for everything on earth. There's a right time for birth and another for death, a right time to plant and another to reap, a right time to kill and another to be healed, a right time to destroy and another to construct, a right time to cry and another to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, time to shut up and a time to speak up. How many of you guys need the last one, right? But there's a time for everything. It even says specifically, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to grieve over things. You know, even like Jesus wept even. Like there's a time for grief. There's a time for mourning. There's a time for longing. As, that's fine as long as you get the other side too, where there's a time for dancing. There's a time for laughing. You know, the, God has called us to live a life fully designed for his purpose. That we, what, what we mean to live life to its fullest doesn't mean we're chasing a feeling, doesn't mean we're chasing happiness or chasing grief or chasing any of that. It's just that we're submitting our will, our thoughts and our emotions to the, to the opportune seasons that he has for us. And if, I believe like a lot of times where, you know, excess grief or excess sadness or even excess of our desires comes in is when we're um, having a moment of rebellion against what God is having for us for that season. That's where the tension happens a lot of times. So to do that, what are the things we need to do to pursue God, to be fully devoted to him and fully alive for his design purpose is we need to fight for our health. We need to fight for our health. We need to fight for our spirit, our spiritual health. We need to fight for our mental health, our emotional health, and even our physical health. Because how can we live that life devoted to him fully and fully alive in him if we're not properly taking care of ourselves, whether that's our spiritual health, our mental, emotional, or physical health. And we are, it's really important to remember that we are a spirit that uses a mind and has a body. And that's, that's how it is. Our goal is to properly care for our mind and to properly care for our body so that it can serve our spirit well, so that we can be fully ready to be devoted to him and ready to live out what he wants us to do. Because if we're neglecting any one of those three areas, the spirit, mind, or the body, then we're not going to be ready and able to do what he's calling us to do. And that's why it's so important to, to protect our health, to guard our health, and to fight for our health, fight for our spiritual health, our mental health, and our emotional health, and our physical health. And our mind and our emotions do not control our spirit. Our spirits are not controlled by our emotions. That's not how it needs to be. Our, we're, our spirits are not controlled by our desires. They are, in fact, meant to put, be put in submission to our spirits and put in submission to what God has for us. We need to allow Jesus to transform our mind, will, and emotions. Um, a famous passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what I want to hit on with the time I have left is that it is so important to fight for your mental health. And I know this is a very practical message, but I believe it needs to be talked about. It's so important to do that as long as we're not making our spirit in submission to our mind. As long as we don't cross that barrier. But the reason we fight for our mental health is to better serve our spirit and God's plan for us better. So again, I want to talk, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be fully devoted and fully alive. The bridge for who I am to who I'm supposed to be is to live a life fully devoted and fully alive to Jesus. And so there are going to be two things specifically that we fight for under each of those categories. And so for fully devoted, you need to fight for your heart and fight for your mind. To live fully devoted for Jesus, we need to be fighting for our hearts and fighting for our minds. Mental and emotional health flows from the heart and from the mind. You know, we're often quick to guard, you know, lock our cars, lock our houses, guard our possessions, lock our phones with, you know, six-digit passwords. But how often do we intentionally guard our heart or our mind? That is so much more important. So as a follower of Jesus, what do we do when our hearts feel clogged up with sadness, depression, anxious thoughts, heartbreak? David gives us a great example to follow, again, in Psalms chapter 42. Do, it, he's saying to not destroy your emotions, don't destroy your grief, but teach your emotions to praise God and submit to his will. 42 verse 5 says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's speaking to his soul. Soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Put your hope in my Savior and my God. It's important that when we're doing, dealing with these things, to not just destroy them or shove them down somewhere, but to have them submit to God and submit to, to, to what he's wanting. David was honest before God. He didn't hide his feelings. He didn't hide his real emotions. But in the end, he fought for his heart. He guarded his heart. He talked to himself even. Sometimes it's good to talk to yourself, right? It's not always a crazy thing to do, to talk to your soul and say, you know what, soul? You know what, emotions? You know what, anxiety? Let's, let's submit to God. I have authority over you. I'm a spirit with a body that is submitted to me. I'm a spirit with a mind that is submitted to me. I'm not controlled by my mind. I'm not controlled by emotions. But you're going to submit to me. You're going to submit to God, the creator of the universe. Again, this isn't new for him. You're not the first one to do this. You won't be the last one. He knows how to, he knows how to deal with that. We need to remind ourselves that God is bigger than whatever we are facing. He is a present help in time of need. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, we can learn two things from that scripture. We can learn, A, that, you know, if God is telling us to do that, then he is... He's, he wouldn't tell us to do that, first of all, if he wasn't there with us, if he wasn't seeing what we were going through. And also, he wouldn't be telling us to do that if it weren't possible for us to do that. He wouldn't do that. God is not cruel like that. So we have to fight for the atmosphere of our heart. We have to guard it with all diligence because all issues, including mental and emotional health, flow from it. So we need to be guarding the atmosphere, guarding the culture of our mind and our heart. And the last thing is to be fully alive in him, fully alive. And to do that, we need to fight for our relationships and fight for our servanthood. 
fight for our relationships. Proverbs 17, 7 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother was born for adver- adversity. A brother, a friend was born for adversity. It was, he was born for, to be there with you. And a friend loves at all times. You, you probably already know this, but I don't know how many of you guys have actually like sat down and thought about the specific people in our life that are there for us. You know, I don't know if you've ever like sat down and like intentionally like almost made a mental list of all the people that are there for you. But have it, I don't think it's ever occurred, it didn't occur to me until I was reading this and reading um, materials along with that, that maybe there are friends in our life, we're not only just there for us, but we're designed to be there for us. You never know what God is putting in, the, in your friend's life that are designed specifically to help you through this issue. And some of us, we don't know what we have till it's gone. And that's the sad thing. Some of us, we won't realize what we had today until it's too late. Some of us, you won't have an opportunity to thank your friends for what they're doing today because we don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know what the future looks like. Don't wait until the opportunity is gone to reach out for help. Don't wait until it's too late to thank your friends for being there for him. Isolation is a setup for destruction. Isolation is a setup for destruction. Show up, get together, make memories, laugh with each other. When you feel like drawing away, push harder. Because think about this, think about this. If you were the devil and you wanted to attack a Christian, what would be the best way to do that? It would be to get them alone, to isolate them, to make them feel like they're the only ones, to make them feel like there's no one else to reach out to, make them feel like they're trapped in their own thoughts and feelings. I just want to tell you guys, that's a lie. That's a lie. Don't fall for the trap. Reach out, hang out, show up. If you don't have friends, look around. (laughs) We're here for you. This is what we do. The last thing for to feel fully alive is to fight for your servanthood. You know, we live in a society that is very self-centered, that is very pointing at us, very, it's all eyes on me, it's um, look at what I'm doing, and even, it's even in our subconscious a lot of times. And so one great thing to do to fight for, to be fully alive, fully devoted to what he has for us is to, is to lay yourself down and sacrifice for others. It's, to, it, it's kind of going with the relationships. It's making it not just about me. I'm not alone. I'm helping other people. Um, in fact, even science backs this up, that if you are um, sacrificial, if you're giving up yourself for other people, then a lot of times that it really much aids in the mental and uh, physical part of depression and anxiety. It's, you know, volunteer at a homeless shelter, uh, join a serve team at a church, just give to those around you, make a gift for somebody, write them a card, just being sacrificial to those around you. Depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues often cause people to live and think inwardly. And so it's important to take time to intentionally serve people around us. And that'll help them feel refreshed and recharged and also point that back to us. Living the lifestyle as a servant takes eyes off of you and points it at other people and ultimately at Jesus. Not only is it good for you, but it's good for them and it's good for you pointing them to Jesus. And it has many purposes. It's our savior calls us to live with a kingdom mindset and be all about God and others. God designed us to be connected to each other. And so it's important to ask God for eyes to see those around you who can reflect on his love. 
And so you have to choose to fight for your servanthood. And I want to invite the band to come up at this point. I'm just going to wrap it up. That God is calling you to live fully devoted and fully alive to what he has for you. And again, I know this, was, this is very heavy. This is very practical. But it's so important to remember that God wants you to live fully alive. God wants you to live fully in the present. And I want to challenge you guys in the notes that you got in to ask the Holy Spirit and ask God specifically one area that you need to be working on. Whether you think you're struggling with mental illness or not, that is important to find something to focus on and to reach out, whether, whatever that's fighting for your mind, your emotions, whether that's fighting for your, your friends, for your relationships, or fighting for your servanthood. I want to just challenge all of us to take that step and to take that moment. And I also, uh, let's, let's all stand up in this place. I, I want to be sensitive right now for those of us that might be struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, loneliness. And I want everyone here to just bow your heads, close your eyes, and I just feel led right now that if that is something you're struggling with, to just reach out your arms as if you're about to receive a gift. Freedom in God's spirit is not just about letting go, but it's about receiving something. It's about receiving something better. Spirit, I invite you in right now. I thank you for being receptive of us, even when we don't feel like we deserve it. Father God, I just give you everything I've been holding on to. Even just right now to yourself, if you have to whisper it or just think in your thoughts, just tell him exactly what you're giving to him. Father God, I just give that to you. I just ask that you replace that with something better, with the fruit of your spirit. Cast away anxiety so I can receive peace. And I just focus on that peace, that fruit of the spirit that's from you. Cast away depression and just focus on joy, on love, on laughter. Cast away loneliness and I just focus on community on friends, on companionship, on love, on laughter, making memories. Cast away suicidal thoughts and I focus on contentment, on my friends. People that love me, on my church, on joy, on purpose. anything else that goes with that. What I want to do during this last song is if, if you're struggling with any of that, 
to just come up to the front and just get on your knees and just give it, lay it out before Jesus at the altar. Now it's a bold step, but I just want to invite you to do that with us as we sing this last song. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken.
just want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit to continue working in us right now. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for what you're doing. Just thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for being the bridge for us, for paying the price for us. you, this couldn't even be possible right now. Jesus, I just thank you for everything you're doing in this place. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done tonight. I ask that the work that you've begun is will continue and will just continue to progress as the weeks go by, that we continue to seek your help and we seek you and who you are. Jesus, we just thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, they're going to put a slide on the screen. It is a Bible reading plan that um, goes along right with what we've preached about tonight. And we're going to leave this on the screen until you guys leave. I want to encourage you guys. It's a seven-day plan. encourage you guys to scan the code and just start it, um, especially if this is something, an area that you need help in. Um, and I just want to encourage you guys. I'm going to be going along through it. Uh, it's a seven-day plan. It'll probably start tomorrow and go until next Wednesday. Um, it's just adding more things to fight for. It's going to be a really great time. But um, let's, all, let's all stand up and let's just wrap up in prayer one last time. Jesus, we just thank you for what, who you are. We thank you for what you've done inside of us. God, I just ask that you continue that in Holy Spirit. Just continue that work inside of us, that we are your children, that we are set free, and that we are set apart for you. And we submit our mind, our will, and our emotions and our bodies to you, Jesus. We just thank you. And we praise you, Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a shout of praise for what he is, what he's done.